Hello, my friend. It's Casey here, your host of the Purpose Map podcast and the founder of Worthy and Well. And I just finished a block of time recording the audiobook for The Mind-Body Way, or at least a couple of pillars of the audiobook for The Mind-Body Way, the book I co-wrote with uh, Julie Bolak and Courtney Amo that came out on paper and the ebook version in April of 2023 of this year. And uh, I am in the process of recording the audio version with the production company to come out in the fall. And I just finished a two-hour chunk of time recording starting at 6 a.m. And as we wrapped up, I was about to pack my equipment up and realized that my voice is warmed up and that I want to speak after taking a bit of time off. And to come and connect with you and update you and share some thoughts and feelings that are relevant right now felt important. And so, hi, it's nice to be with you again. I, as you might know, went through a life-changing experience recently. And I'll share more about that. But first, I want to say that it's been interesting, always interesting, to notice how I am constantly initiated into deeper and deeper experiences of what I support others with. And I think when you're embodied in your work, that's the way it goes. I think when you're on a purpose-driven path and you're doing work that is meaningful and you're walking the talk, life gives you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to deepen your wisdom. And often the process of deepening that wisdom is painful. At least in my experience, sometimes I'm like, oh God, why? Why? Why have I committed to this work? Why have I committed to this path? And specifically, why have I committed to, you know, helping people navigate experiences through their bodies and especially finding new paths after big life change? Right on my website, right on the Worthy ML website, at least right now, the header says, CEO change agent guide. We help you find your next level of success after a big life change. Become a powerful embodied leader and get paid for the work that you're really here to do. And when I talk about big life changes, I'm talking about health issues, divorce, relationship changes, death. And in part, why I love supporting people after they've experienced a big life change is because those life changes, those reckonings, those moments that are big create an opening in awareness and an opportunity to ask deeper questions like, who am I and what am I really here for? And how do I want to realign my life? And and it's just true that like we can talk about the gift of that process, the gift that comes out of the reckoning. 
and often before you get to, in my experience, experience the gift, there's hardship and there's grief and there's loss and there's pain and there's discomfort in the body. And there's more. There might be expansion and bliss and ecstasy as well. So I recently lost my dad, Jack Berglund, my father, passed away suddenly after an accident a few weeks ago. Actually, a month ago was his 71st birthday. A month ago today, it's August 3rd. The time that I'm recording this, his birthday is July 3rd. And he had an accident on July 4th. So it's almost been a month since his accident and just under a month since he passed. And what do I want to share about that? I actually think I just want to share honestly about my experience of it because what I'm realizing is what I'm realizing is that actually many of my friends have lost their parents or a parent and I couldn't have known what that was like until now and I, A, wish that I would have been there for them, you know, in a different way, though I have grace for myself that, you know, you don't know until you know. And also there's such comfort in, in talking with those friends or even colleagues. It's amazing that people have come out to support who have been through the experience of losing a parent. And so I guess I hope that through sharing my experience of losing a parent and and authentically the process that I'm in, that perhaps it the share could support someone who's in the same boat. And I suppose I also want to express the parts of my experience that are directly connected to what I hold space for in others. This process of a reckoning creating a shift in identity and an experience of grief personally around around like what you do moving forward you know or what it even means to be quote successful so there's a couple different perspectives that I'll maybe speak from i called my dad on his birthday on July 3rd and had a good conversation with him. And it was an interesting moment in time where my mom was away and my brother who lives a couple miles down the road, he and his wife and their family were away. And so nobody in our family was around for my dad's birthday, but we all had good conversations with him that night. And the following day, he for context, is a farmer and a cowboy, and I grew up in rural Saskatchewan, and my people are salt of the earth, connected to the earth types of people. And my dad went out to check on one of his fields and got out of the vehicle to pick some Saskatoon berries and fell. He had become kind of frail, actually, having like lost a lot of weight and muscle mass and, 
you know, was struggling with different health conditions for the last few years leading up and just like suffered in his own ways with some mental health issues and and other issues. And and so, you know, he hasn't been in the last few years, hadn't been the like sturdy farmer that I once knew. And so he was out picking berries and he fell. And though I don't know the details, details, he got caught up in some trees, like in a ditch and spent the night there. And my brother found him the next morning and he was still like conscious and awake and was taken to the hospital and then rushed to emergency in Regina, which is two hours away from the farm where I grew up. And so my brother had called me basically that day, the day that he was found, the day that he was in the hospital to tell me what had happened. So I guess that would have been July 5th. It was a Wednesday. My brother called me in the evening and I decided to drive from Calgary to Regina, which is about seven hours through the night, leaving at 10.30 p.m. You know, when you have those moments where there's like, in the chaos of emotion underneath, there's like an instinct about what to do. And when you just like undeniably know what's right and you have to follow through with that, I guess I'm grateful that I'm connected to my intuition and I listen to it and I don't ignore it. Most of the time, of course, I'm human, so I have my moments, but I am so grateful that I drove through the night. I got to spend that morning with my dad, who was at that point in a not super responsive state. But by the afternoon, on the day that I was in Regina with, you know, my brother, my mom, and my other siblings had come up to the city it was like a miracle had happened. And my dad was like in full conversation again, and it felt like he was on the upswing. So I share that to share that in this experience of death, I feel blessed to have been with my family and with my dad and have been able to have had conversations with him, you know, and to share with him in those moments, in that moment about my life and what I'd been up to and to spend that time with family. And without sharing too many details, we, you know, spent a lot of time together. And a couple days later, really early in the morning, my mom and brother and sister and I were with him when he took his last breath. And... I feel really grateful. In some ways, one can never be prepared for the experience of losing a parent. And in other ways, I almost felt as prepared as I could have been from the perspective of having a deep spiritual practice, from the perspective of believing and having experiences that suggested for me or helped me to, I'm not going to say no, because like, can you 100% know, but really trust the eternal nature of one soul or one spirit. And also, 
oddly, I had just been through a really massive experience of grief prior to dad's passing and an experience of like thinking about, talking about, tuning into death. You may or may not know that I recently, well, recently being in June, June 2023, it's now August, I was in California for two weeks. And I want to tell this story because of the fact that a mentor of mine shared with me a bit ago that consciousness is always ahead of itself. And so for me, at least as I process this, this is an example of consciousness being ahead of itself. I was in California in June. I had planned this trip to visit two friends that I met in Costa Rica much earlier in the year. I planned this trip in advance. We figured out the timing of it. And yet I had resistance to booking my flight. I might have mentioned some bit of this in a previous episode. I'm thinking about the episode with Chelsea Benzel about leaping. I was in California when we recorded that episode. And in it, I shared that my intuition kind of at the last minute told me to book a one-way flight to California, which I've never done before. And something about that created this different energetic around the trip to California. When I thought that I was going there to visit my two friends, this intuition to book a one-way sort of opened me up to this idea that maybe there was something else there for me, or maybe I was meant to stay longer. There was some other reason why I was there. And the whole time that I was in California, I kept feeling or asking this question like, why am I really here? What's actually going on? And I, you know, made up stories or had little breadcrumbs to speak to that why. For example, I thought that I was meant to like pick up my vehicle and drive back down and that there was like more of an adventure ahead. But really now, from the position I'm in right now, in retrospect, the why for being there was very clear. Here's what I mean by that. When I was in California, I was staying with a friend who told me on the first day that I arrived about a near-death experience that she had when she was young. And though she kept that experience pretty sacred in her own heart and didn't share about it too much, for whatever reason, we just naturally got into a conversation about it and what she felt and what she saw in the experience of like almost passing. And because of that conversation, she recommended a book to me that was a really important book to her because it felt like for her, it put words to part of what she experienced. And the, the book is called The Afterlife of Billy Fingers. Billy Fingers is the nickname of a man. This book is about a man who, you know, was a charismatic dude and lived a bit of a rough life or an alternative life. And had addictions of sorts and, you know, passed away and then, and then started to communicate from the other side to his sister who is still on the earthly plane. So the sister started to channel words and stories about what was happening to Billy from the other side. 
And so I received this book as a recommendation the first day I arrived in California, and I read it every single night, finishing the last page moments before I left for the airport two weeks later. And I was fascinated by this book. For some reason, it just felt like something I wanted to read. Also, the other friend that I visited while in California lost her dad a few years ago. And when we met at this retreat in Costa Rica earlier in the year, there was a really strong connection to the symbolism that she felt was part of how her dad communicated with her. And I connected with her and started seeing these symbols everywhere. And so we started to have these open conversations about her dad and, you know, his passing and what it's meant to her to experience his energy differently after having passed. And also, I went through an experience of loss prior to that trip that felt like it opened up a box of emotions, particularly the emotions of grief, almost like the grief I didn't let myself experience from the past was like open and ready for the feeling. But I also wonder if I was pre-feeling grief. In any case, for two full weeks, there were themes of grief and death and the afterlife. And even I started writing a book that this title came to me, which may or may not come to fruition, but the title Multidimensional Love came to me. And I started writing about love. And mostly what it turned into was this piece about grief, about how grief will shatter one's heart into an experience that only creates space for more love. And I shared that one passage about grief with a couple of my closest friends and shared a little bit of the idea for this book. And so I suppose like that experience in California has become part of my processing. You know, it's like I was being prepared. Consciousness was ahead of itself. I ended up booking a flight to come home exactly two weeks after I arrived, as was originally planned. So it wasn't like the one-way ticket was for me to be able to extend my trip or cut it short. It was more, I think, the energetic of this question of why am I here and what am I really here to do or to process. And so it was literally just two weeks after I got home that this experience with my family and my dad passing happened. And so in the process, like in the hospital, which again, I'm so grateful to have had that experience. I know so many people lose family members or lose parents and aren't with them or aren't able to, haven't been able to have like final words. What's true is amidst the tears and the emotions and the all of that stuff that you would imagine, you know, the hard stuff, the constrictive feelings, the discomfort, amidst that or those experiences, I also experienced great beauty and great acceptance and great unconditional love. For me, the process of 
being with family while watching a loved one go. It was one of the most beautiful experiences of my life so far. And what happened for me was a real different sort of spiritual awakening. It was like I saw everything clearly from a shifted perception or shifted paradigm. I saw my parents' relationship and all the challenges, you know, that I witnessed as part of that in like through the lens of its perfection. And my dad's suffering through the lens of perfection and the interactions amidst my siblings. I have three siblings and my mom and dad, like, as if it were all perfect. Like there was this clarity that offered up an objectivity and a complete lack of judgment, but rather the opportunity to be in a space of what to me felt like pure, unconditional love. And that was a blessing. It felt like such a gift. And in that space of deep, deep humanity, like where the physical body goes and where there's like the messiness of all of the family dynamics showing up with a magnifying glass on them, Deep, deep humanity and epic spirituality, where there's something like bigger going on. There's an energy that shifts in the room. I just felt like this is life. Like all of this is life. The epicness and the mundaneness and the love and the hurt and the pain and the fear and the messiness and the humanity and the perfection of it all is the truth of life. And what feels true for me is I witnessed my dad's passing in stages with his body actually being the last to go. Again, I'm sharing my experience. This experience likely in some ways differs from the experience of my family members or others' experiences of having lost loved ones. But in my experience, you know, it's like I saw my dad's eyes change. And I felt his, like his energy go in bits. And there was this really special moment with my family or, you know, outside of one of my brother's where we were in the hospital room and it was probably like four in the morning, three in the morning. And my sister was asleep in the chair and my mom and brother and I were awake and in conversation. Mom shared something pretty intimate with us and we were like attentively paying attention. And then we started talking to my dad who was not responsive, was still breathing and his heart was beating but was not responsive. We started just like loving him and thanking him. And in the room, this light spread in an instant, a flash of light that started in a, from a like nucleus or a nebula at the 
center of the room right above his bed and spread out to the rest of the room. I saw it behind my brother's head and my mom's head who were on the other side of the bed. It was like this epic flash and I felt it. It felt like electricity in my cheeks, like I was shocked physically. And, you know, I've had various experiences of altered states of consciousness and of having visions and intuitions in those states. You know, they don't happen all the time, that's for sure. They're very rare, but I've experienced these altered states in a way where I had a moment of being like, oh my God, was that just me who saw that? And I looked at my brother and was like, did you see that? And he was like, oh yeah. And my mom was like, what just happened? And she looked around at all of the equipment in the room that at this point was all unplugged. And we were like, whoa. And then my brother said something to my dad about like, what was that? And then it happened again in the exact same way to the extent where my sister woke up out of the chair because she saw this flash of light behind her eyes and felt the same electricity in her face. And moments after that happened, I witnessed just outside the window behind my brother and my mom, another flash of light, and then one off in the distance, and then the whole sky lit up. And I knew that that was real. (laughs) I don't know. I'm not making up a story about what that was, if that was my dad's energy or if that was a force coming to gather up his soul. I don't know how it works. I've read accounts and I have, you know, had conversations with like mentors and teachers But I still don't know exactly what that was, but I know that it was, period. That the light was real and the flash was significant. And it indicated a step on the pathway of his passing. And yet he kept breathing in this rhythmic, almost holotropic way. And his heart kept beating for another couple of hours after until it finally stopped. And what's true for me is that although I had these tender waves of emotions, the predominant feeling in my being was absolute trust. And even almost a bliss-like experience. And I'm sharing this because I'm not hearing other people talk about that. And I don't know if it's because other people haven't had that experience or because they have. And there's an expectation that we're crying and that grief looks a certain way, that we're falling apart. For me, at the time of my dad's death and in about a week and a half that followed, I felt an expanded state of consciousness like never before. I felt that my dad's energy did indeed go directly back to source and became everything instantly, including me. When my dad died, I felt like part of me died instantly, suddenly, like I would never be the same. 
and that there was a space in me that was filled with more energy, like his energy, like he gifted it back to us, all of us, not just my family, not just the birds and the trees, but you, everyone, all things, that he went back to the oneness. And there were moments in the days that passed where, you know, I was with my family. We planned a funeral right away. There were a lot of things that happened. We hosted a gathering at the farm with community members and, you know, fed them and just joined together. And I felt still the whole time. As someone who is emotional, expresses her emotions, cries a lot, like I'm not afraid of my emotions, it's like I didn't feel those emotions. And of course, I, you know, asked myself, am I just in shock or what's going on for me? But like, why is it that I feel like a pillar of light? Why is it that I feel bliss and an acceptance in this process and as if dad's energy is literally everywhere. I saw him in everything. And it was something that I accepted for myself. You know, I just knew that I had to be in my experience in whatever was showing up and not make up a story about how I should feel in order to, like, I don't know, appease the normal conversation about what death is like. I found, and I mean this from the most gracious and good place in my heart, that when people offered condolences or said, sorry for your loss, like, I could completely attune to the beautiful intentions behind those words. And in those moments right after he passed, in about a week and a half, I just felt like nothing anyone said resonated. It was almost as if I was receiving their words in support of them rather than receiving them as their offer of support to me. And I'm just saying that without any judgment. It was almost as if people offering condolences was helping them to process more than it was helping me. And that's beautiful. And that's okay. I accept that. And I also felt like it's almost as if my body or my nervous system knew that in the company of my family, my mom and my siblings, it's if, as if my body and nervous system knew that I needed to be uh, a rock, a pillar, and like I was resourced to be in that role. You know, and I know that you, if you're listening, you're probably someone who, I just know who I attract into this community. You're probably someone who grew up pretty quickly. You're probably someone who has been a responsible one in your family system and who has learned how to take care. And you know that's true for me. I know that that's true in some ways of all of my siblings as well. And I guess I just trust that. I guess I trust the maybe lack of emotion outside of stillness that I felt in those days following. And so I share this that 
you know, if you're going through a similar situation, which, you know, it's kind of wild since this happened. I've received many messages from people who are in my community who are losing loved ones right now. So that to me tells me that there's a there's a collective consciousness thing happening. And, you know, this is for you. Maybe. I don't know. I hope that it's in support to you in some way to just like maybe be affirmed if you're having an experience like me and also honored if your experience is completely different. I know that this process of loss impacts people in in different ways. So, you know, we had a funeral within less than a week of my dad's passing and a gathering. And the week after that, the weekend after that, was Kennedy Rodeo Weekend. Kennedy is the town that I grew up grew up outside of. And the Kennedy Rodeo Weekend is Kennedy's biggest weekend of the year. It is where the town that is typically 200 people turns into a town of 2,000, where visitors from all over the place come for this professional rodeo, one of two professional rodeos in Saskatchewan. And my family, my dad and my brothers and sisters, my mom, have been integral parts of the Kennedy Rodeo forever. You know, like my parents were left their gift opening at their wedding to go to Kennedy Rodeo. And my grandpa, my dad's dad, was the first president of the Kennedy Rodeo. And it's an event where the community comes together and my dad's favorite weekend of the year. So I attended that and and felt like I still was holding this expanded state of awareness while also starting to feel these waves of emotion under the surface that felt like they came out of nowhere. It was almost like it was hard. Part of me wanted to be amidst community and part of me just wanted to hide and not have to talk to anyone. And it also felt comforting to be among family. And it also was hard to be among family. I started to fight with my brother and like stuff came up as a result of us navigating this loss. And that's real too. You know, the dynamics still play out and there's this beauty and this blissfulness. And at least in my family system, there was also like conflict and tension. And trying to figure out how to live in this new way. And following that weekend, my brother and sister-in-law and nephew and my mom came up for Calgary Folk Fest. So I spent more time with family. They were up and we went to listen to music. My brother and his wife are both full-time musicians. So that was an opportunity for us to kind of drop in together and, you know, process more together in an immense listening to music. I just had such beautiful, intimate time with, you know, each of those members of my family. And, you know, and then they left. And at the time of this recording, it's Thursday, August 3rd, this week, like this past Monday is basically the first kind of Monday, the first week where I'm attempting to be in a regular rhythm, like get back to work. You know, it's not like the world stops when you lose someone. And I had committed to recording this audiobook. That's the project I'm taking on. 
part of my contribution as a co-author team to this project. And I've had two recording sessions of that book. And this week has been bloody hard. (laughs) Yeah, I, you know, can see and validate why, how other emotions are coming up and my family is away and we're all trying to go on with our lives. And it's like, as time has gone on, this expanded state of consciousness that I felt at the time of dad's death and this experience of feeling him in everything, for me, it's collapsing into the mundane and that feels challenging. I'm having desires to hug him. In my moments of grief, I'm like having memories. I realized recently I had like my very first memory with him and my very last memory were like bouncing back and forth through my tears. I'm feeling alone, even though people are here to support. It's kind of like nobody has me but me. And I guess that's always true. And I want to say that in an empowering way. I I like see the empowering side of that as a sovereign being that like, right, I came into this world alone in some ways and I will exit alone in some ways. And in every moment in between, in some ways I am alone. And that's just the truth of my existence and probably the truth of yours as well as a human being. And I don't mean to say that like friendships and community and family isn't of support or an important part of the process. But at the end of the day, I am here with myself. At the end of the day, I am here in my heart feeling or processing whatever is present in that moment. And I'm in a phase of collapse is what it feels like in a phase of the deep humanity part of this rather than the epic spirituality, in a phase of feeling the loss, and also noticing underneath that grief other emotions and patterns that I thought were healed. I'm noticing underneath that grief, to be frank, like even more pressure from my dad to be successful or to achieve in a certain way. And I'm not blaming him for that. Like that's on me and my experience of that dynamic. But it's interesting how there's both the gift and the beauty of his energy that drives me to be able to say, show up and record this audiobook, while I'm also experiencing these parts of me, not the whole part of me, not the whole me, but these parts of me that are feeling like I'll never be enough. And are feeling like, why can't I celebrate or feel fulfilled by my successes? Where does that come from? How has my dad and my relationship with my dad contributed to that? I'm healing deeper layers of my relationship with men and money that I didn't know I needed. And it's hard. Shadowy bits are popping up. The dark parts of me, the icky parts of me are showing themselves. The hurt parts of me, the emotional parts. And they're just part, I can witness them, and they're here for the healing. I could easily choose to distract myself with anything right now. And in some ways, I am consciously choosing to do that. Work is something that is a distraction right now that feels healthy for me to not constantly be processing my feelings. It feels healthy. It's like in the mornings I work, in the afternoons I feel. In the evenings, I cry. 
And I share that for the sake of transparency and authenticity, both so that you can know me deeper and also so that you can maybe know yourself deeper. And if you're in an experience that's similar to this, that you can feel not so alone in it. You know, like you're always alone and also you're never alone. And at the end of the day, even when I feel like I'm alone, I'm not alone. There's something bigger than me that's holding me at all times. But it's hard in moments. And another thing that's very true right now is I'm navigating exactly what I guide clients through. Who the hell am I now? And what am I here for now? And what matters now? And is everything that I'm doing still in alignment? And luckily for me, I guess, I, well, in this moment, can't think of anything else I'd be more aligned to be doing outside of maybe picking up some side narrator gigs. I'm feeling inspired by this audiobook recording. In many ways, I feel like my work is deepening and my embodiment is deepening and my capacity to hold space for people going through change and navigating grief, which, you know, yes, grief comes about through death and loss, but and also grief is a natural process of stepping into more alignment. It's a natural process of up-leveling. Grief and loss has to happen. I'm asking myself if, that, if that's absolutely true. I said it as an absolute. I think it's pretty common that the loss and the stopping and the letting go of an old identity happens. I see it in most of my clients and I see it in myself. With every stepping into something new, there has been a form of a death that's occurred. And it's hard. And we often don't talk about that part. It's like we all want the expansion and the growth and the upward spiral without feeling the contraction, without feeling the grief and the loss and the pain. Now, I don't think that we need to be attached to suffering. What I'm contemplating right now is how could I find joy in my pain? Or in some ways, like for lack of better words, get off on the hurt in my heart? How can I like? let it move through me in a way that I don't resist and that I actually come to enjoy in some way. And, you know, that's just a contemplation. I don't know if it's possible for me, though I'm working on it, meaning I'm just like accepting these moments where I feel hard things and trusting that those moments will pass, leaning on friends when I need to. And yeah, showing up for the bits of work that I can show up for right now and letting that be medicine. You know, we talk about self-care and this feeling that self-care is like the massages and the baths. Like, I need that too. And especially when you're on an aligned work path, when I'm on an aligned work path, work too is medicine. I found that it's been healing to show up for my clients. It's been healing to drop back into my gifts and, and like get into someone else's life in full presence and full objectivity and hold space for them, no matter what it is, the greatest joy, the deepest pain. And 
my clients are reflecting back to me like little bits of the puzzle that are helpful for me. Since I've been already recording and speaking for a couple of hours, I'm noticing my voice start to get a bit scratchy, so I'll wrap this up shortly. In summary, we're in this together, and I'm here. I'm here. Your reach outs, your replies, your emails, your calls for support, like I'm here for it. Work is medicine right now. And and also I trust myself to take the space that I need to be in my feeling state, to be in my private spaces. But I want you to know that you don't have to feel like you have to walk on eggshells around this topic with me whether you're going through it or whether you want to just like talk about it or you're curious, like ask the questions you want to ask. You don't have to feel like you need to take responsibility for, I don't know, anything that's not yours. I'm here to support, like reach out if you're going through a big change and you're stepping into your next level of success in a new way, in a way that's aligned for you. If you're going through loss or experiencing grief, I'd love to have a conversation with you. Selena Coates, who's on the Worthy ML team, and I are taking ourselves through our Next Level Success 30-day intensive program, which is really about navigating, crossing the threshold into a new level after a big change. And we're taking ourselves through it because we're basically the archetype of our clients right now. She is, too, going through her own experience of change. And we're finding deep value in the tools that we use to help ourselves reconnect with the truth of who we are and what we're here for now. Tools like energy leadership, which comes from IPEC coaching. Tools like human design, which is the integration of a few different ancient wisdom systems to tell you like what your gifts are and what your purpose is and how to use your energy properly. Tools like embodiment practices to connect with and learn from our future selves. I call them our integrated selves. A process to connect with our joy again and the moments in our lives where we were using our natural talents and gifts, like mining for those natural talents and gifts. And just dropping into the group coaching experience and community and the way in which community hold e- holds each other. And when you're witnessed by community, that too connects you to who you are. And so we're taking ourselves through our own program before we launch another version of it and enroll clients into it. And it's a beautiful process of, well, practicing what we preach and receiving from our work maybe slowing down a little bit and giving ourselves the space to process. I'm going to leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning into this and for being part of this podcast community, the Worthy and Well community, part of my life. I don't take you for granted and I appreciate you listening and showing up here. I hope you have a day where you feel period, where you feel. I hope you have a day where you feel. 
So much love, many blessings. I'll talk to you soon.